Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. iTrust is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HighTrustAlliance.net. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Marco. Sean. What's going on? Um, I don't know. I want to go somewhere, but I'm not sure how to get there, so I think I'm going to use the map. <laughs> yeah. The first time. No, I use it I a remember, lot. I remember finding ourselves on the beach, driving literally on the sand one time. I don't know if that was easy. We followed the coast. I didn't turn coast. right because there was the water. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't turn left because it was the dune. So I just had to go straight forward and then go back. But we know where we were going at the time. And, we uh, and the we path... We need to take that detour, I guess. We, that was our choice. Exactly. We went for an adventure, but sometimes you don't want to go for an adventure. You want to, you want to follow the map because you you want to get somewhere very specific, and uh, and the path may not be that clear. Exactly, it may not be that clear. But thankfully, I mean, we can look to history. There are many paths that weren't clear, and maps were created to help others traverse countries and water and. Probably now space maps are being built. Right? We have solar, <laughs> stellar uh, solar uh, system planet, uh, maps. The point is, maps help. Having a, an idea of where you are, what's next, where to go, what to avoid, how to handle potholes, how to handle whatever the situation is. Maps and context and advice from others help. And uh, well, well exactly I think that, that's the key. Today. That's a key, the key, Sean, because some, you know, of course, you get in the car, you want to go to that place. It's easy. You know, you got GPS and all of that. But when you want to go in a, in a mental place, in a, in a career path, so I'm going to start unveiling here where we're going with this, is not really a, a path that is all delimited in turn here left, turn here right, avoid the puddle. It's more of a guide. It's a guidance. And that's what you probably need along the way to go to where you want to go, which may end up being not exactly that specific place, but you kind of find yourself as you go there. So with all this... Yes, like I can continue the metaphor. But that's, that's I know, I love it. We will continue that. <laughs> we'll get a coffee and that's we'll continue good. that yes. with our guest. And I'm thrilled to have Helen Patton on again. Helen, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be back. 
Come yeah, and thank you for having the patience to listen to our rambling. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we know you. We know you enjoy we that. Yeah, just stop to get gas, fill up the ice chest with some snacks, right? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Are we there yet? Exactly. Now, that's so, a good question to start. Are we there yet? Right? <laughs> exactly. But before we answer that, um, for those who haven't heard you on the show and for those that may not be familiar with who Helen is, uh, maybe a few words about your career thus far and some of the things you're up to. Yeah. So I've been doing the security thing for about 20 years. About half of that time was at J.P. Morgan Chase and uh, doing operational risk, actually. Um, business risk officer, I think, is the term now. At the time, it was technical risk officer. I started in business continuity disaster recovery a little around the 9-11 Y2K kind of time frame. Uh, I've spent the last eight years as the CISO at The Ohio State University, which is a trip. If you ever get the chance to do security in higher ed, you should do it. Um, but most recently, I've, I am now an advisory CISO at Cisco, and uh, arguably my role there is to help other people think about being a CISO, being running a security program helping folks sort of know what's coming and how to fit in the buzzwords of the day into what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. So, uh, yeah, I've been all over the map to continue the analogy. It's a, It's been a trip. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let, let, let's go with that analogy and kind of what, in, what inspired you to, mm -hmm. first of all, to write a book about this topic and the way that you approach this book, which mm. as usually, I'm assuming, is based on your own experience. So yeah, for sure. give us the, the origin story. So I always wanted to write a book. Um, I think I'm a, I'm a frustrated novelist at heart. And I've been doing this security thing for a really long time. And I'm really passionate about working in security and being in security and one of the benefits of being the CISO at a university is that you get a lot of young, eager people who are looking to try and break into security right there. And they would call me up and say, Helen, let's go have coffee. I, I've got questions for you. I want to know how you got to be a CISO and how you got into the industry. So I'd go, okay, because I'd never say no to things like that. And I'd have coffee and we'd talk. And as my social media presence picked up on Twitter and LinkedIn and other places, I had people who were already in security doing the same thing. Hey, Helen, I'm having this problem working at this job or with this manager or because I'm a, because I'm a whatever I am, I'm, I'm having this problem. Can we have coffee and talk? And I'd be sure. And then I'd have people who are like, hey, Helen, you're a CISO. I'm about to be a CISO. Can we have coffee and talk about security stuff and how to lead a team and how to run a program. And I find myself drinking a lot of coffee. So my first draft of this book was actually called Coffee with a CISO and uh, my editors talked me out of it. But what I wanted to do was to take all the questions that were being asked and they were often the same kinds of questions, whether it was a young person or a new person or someone who'd been in the industry a long time, but they were taking on their leadership role for the first time, we often ask ourselves the same kinds of questions. And so I thought I'd write a book. And as it turned out, I'd been blogging for a while anyway. So 
Um, I Some of it was just I wanted to take the stuff I'd blogged about and made it a little more formal, go a little bit deeper. Um, but the gist of the book is really, one, so I don't have to drink so much coffee, and two, to be a resource for people who don't live near me <laughs> to be able to go and maybe get some answers to some questions. And um, and really it's a, a, a mentoring book. It's a, it's a way of helping people find their own answers to the questions is really what it's more about. That's where it started. It's been a ride. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Helen, you, you said mentorship at scale as we were uh, prepping mm. to kick this off. And I really like that. And, and, and you say this was coffee with the CISO was the original thing. Maybe this is the, the, the CISO coffee table book because it's, it's a guide, right? <laughs> yeah, it has <laughs> on no every, pictures, every uh, security security <laughs> leader's uh, coffee table in their office. Um, I think you kind of outlined the the three main sections, but if mm. you can if you can give us a view into the three topics and what your objective is with with the, yeah. those three areas, that'd be great. So the first one was, the first section is how do you get into security? And we don't have, as an industry, we really don't have a common way of thinking about how to get into into security. We're just now seeing schools, whether they're high schools or universities or community colleges or whatever, having security-focused programs. And I, I do mean security-focused programs, not computer science with some security thrown in or however that works. So we don't really have this established path. One of the things I say in the book, and I've said it online as well, is, you know, if, if this was medicine or law or accounting, how you get into the industry is really well known. It's really established. You know, you go to school, you go to college, you do a degree in that thing, you do some postgrad degree in that thing, you get certified as a professional, you maintain your professional certifications, and that's how you get into the industry. We don't have that. And we have a lot of people at the beginning of their career who now want to get into security, but we have more people who are in the middle of their career, not in a security role, who are trying to break into security. And so I wanted to be able to cover both of those because I had a lot of folks who were like, hey, I'm a project manager, I'm an IT project manager, but I want to get actually into security. Or I, I do maybe fraud at a bank, but I'd like to get into security and not into consumer fraud, for example, or I'm a project manager and I, or a product manager and I want to be able to get into security. So I wanted to be able to talk about all of the different ways that people can come into the security profession. What kind of training do they need? What kind of certifications? This certification question is an old, boring conversation, but people trying to get into security still ask it. Do I need a cert? Short answer, no, you don't, but it might help. Um, you know, what is it going to really take to get into security? And then also things like how do you write a resume so that you're noticed by a hiring manager? So actually what I find through the, through the different sections in the how do I get into security session, I talk about how do you write a resume. In the management section, I talk about how do you write a job description so you find the right people, right? So actually the first section and the third section are two sides of the same coin often. In the middle, it's things like, I'm a woman in tech. I'm a woman in security. How do I navigate? Or am I, I'm, a, I'm a minority. How do I navigate that? And then again, in the leadership section, I talk about 
how do I run a diverse organization? How do I encourage diversity in my organization? So two sides to the same coin. So, yeah, so in the beginning, it's how do I get into security? The middle section is, okay, you're in. Now what? How do you stay up to date with all the changes that are happening? How do you keep learning? How do you decide whether you're going to be a single contributor or a manager? How do you decide if you're going to specialize in a thing or be a generalist? How do you, um, ha, you know, how, how, do you, how do you just deal with stress? There's a, there's a whole chapter on what is security stress. Um, and some of the things you would find in any profession, but I go into what is unique about security. You know, what causes stress in the security field is different than what causes stress when you're an accountant. So we talk about stuff like that. Yeah, and um, it seems to me that is a, a path that you suggest that way to people, but I feel like at the same time that we talk about teaching, right, you also learn as you do this because yes, it's sure. so open-ended. It, you know, I mean, you, I'm a, unlike you, I'm a frustrated uh, novelist. So it, it many times I'm like, yeah, I know kind of where to start, kind of know where I want to end, but what is all in between and how yep. you and how you navigate that. So before we started, you said like an important part of what um, pushed you and, and inspired you to write this book was too many coffee, but also the need for mentoring. And mentoring yeah. can take so many different aspects. So why don't mm -hmm. we talk a little bit about about that, about how even you maybe write in the book have, I don't know, change your opinion? Yeah, for about sure. certain directions that people should take, and even yourself maybe? Yeah. So I start each question with sort of a summary. So of the questions that I answer, each question is a chapter in the book book. And each chapter, I start with a sort of a summary of findings. So if you're too long, don't read <laughs> right at the beginning. And then resources at the end, or, or these are some steps you can take next on this particular topic at the end of each chapter. And what I found was that there were themes for every question that really applied. So for example, whether you're just starting out in security, or, you're, or you've been two or three years in, or you're starting to lead a team, Understanding yourself is a really important piece of that puzzle. Um, what do you like? What do you not like? What are your values? What things give you energy and what things just make you want to curl up in the fetal position and not get out of bed on a Monday morning? You know, knowing yourself allows you to then say, okay, if these are the things I value, if these are the things that are important to me, if these are the things that bring me energy, this is where I should be working in security. If you really geek out on tech stuff, I'm not necessarily going to suggest that you go talk to the governance, risk and compliance folks. I'm probably going to tell you to head over towards the engineering and the security operations center, perhaps, or app dev teams or those kinds of things, perhaps, right? If you're really into, uh, I really like how processes work and I really like rules and regulations, well, maybe security compliance is the part of the profession that might speak more to you. So we talk about those things. And when I was writing it, it of course made me reflect on my own values. So when I was the CISO at Ohio State, I read a, a lovely book that was, and I reference it in this book too, that talks about how do you find your leadership philosophy? How do you decide your why? Um, 
And for me, the, the, the reason I'm in security is actually I'm a control freak, go figure. And I really like things being predictable. Like I'm the person, I'm the nerd who always parks in the same spot in the parking lot. So I don't have to think too hard about where I parked my car when I come out at the end of the day. I'm, I'm that nerd, right? So for me, the value of security is saying, if we get security right, you're not going to have an unexpected outage, right? Your, your day is going to be predictable. That to me is a good, when things happen the way I expect them to, that to me is a good day. So that's my, value. I'm not the kind of person who's actually going to really geek out on getting my code exactly right. That ain't my value. So, but so learning those kinds of things and then being able to articulate them back when you're looking for a job, when you're trying to influence stakeholders in your organization, those kinds of things, really super important. So yeah, going going and revisiting these questions, of course, I would reflect on them myself and, and, and see if things have changed actually i've been in this industry now for a, a couple of decades and that what i cared about in the beginning hasn't actually changed that much until now but how i express it certainly has changed quite a bit so yeah and, and helen i want to touch on a few things you said because you said learn your learn about yourself mm -hmm. and uh you briefly touched on technology but mm. as as potentially one path mm. But it, it's not always just about the technology. Because what I want to get into is kind of the, the, you said, has it changed? Yeah. And it hasn't, right? So there, there's probably a general we have to manage risk, talk about it, identify it, talk about it, mitigate it, right? Yeah, so that, right. That's going to stay the same. So how you do that in different industries changes, different size, maturity of organization, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. a lot of difference in there. Yeah. And I wanted to talk about the idea that. Like Mark and I were joking, we drove from LA to San Francisco for our RSA conference. Mm. Sometimes we take the one one, sometimes we take the five, sometimes mm -hmm. we take the one, sometimes we we drive on Pismo Beach, sometimes we don't. Yeah. They all lead to the same place. We have the same objective each time. Mm. We're doing different things, sometimes different vehicles, sometimes different music. My point is nothing is the same always. Um, so how do you in the book perhaps help people recognize that there is no one single way and maybe it leans off or builds off of understanding yourself first. But, yeah. But it has to go beyond understanding yourself because there's always that, well, where do I start and, and how do I succeed? There is. So, so the second thing I talk about is there's no yourself, but really I think to succeed in security, you've got a network because network brings in these possibilities of other paths and it introduces you to different ways of thinking about things. Um, a lot of us who are in, who've been in security for a while, we get asked this question of how did you get into security? And I could talk about my own story about growing up in Australia and coming over here and having to feed Windows 95 disks into computers as, you know, in the 90s. And But somebody who's starting out now isn't going to be facing those kinds of issues. That it's It's just not the same thing. So one of the ways you keep current with industry trends is to network. One of the ways that you can get your first job is to network. One of the ways you can mitigate security stress is to network, right? Even if it's I'm uh, along the way, I'm going to pull off to the side of the road and I'm going to sit in a bar somewhere with friends or a coffee shop and we're just going to cry on one another's shoulders. That's an important coping skill in the security profession. So, so yeah, there's no yourself, but there is also network a lot. Um, and there's try things on. So 
I think sometimes as a profession, we can get very rigid about what is the right job or the right way of thinking about something or even the right technical solution to a particular problem. And we find along the way that what's right for me isn't right for you. Your circumstances and my circumstances aren't the same. So it's good to know what one another's doing and you can pick and choose the best and bring it back. But there are no rules. It's one of the things that's great about being in security, actually. So if you want to drive on the sand dunes, conservation notwithstanding, you can do that, right? If you want to drive on, if you want to take a bike, you can do that. If you want to take a plane, you can do that. Like there's no rule that says this is exactly the way it has to be done. But that means you've got to leave yourself open to lots of different ways of thinking about things and the and the possibility you might not be right and that your path might need to change. So, yeah, that that's yeah. how I, I, I approach it. So you say... Be, be ready and willing and able to try things on. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that comes to mind, I immediately go back to the technology. Yeah. Do I need to engineer? Do I need to code? Do I need, do I need to be an analyst in, in the sock closing out tickets mm-hmm. as my entry point into this, into this industry? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, are there other ways? And, and how do you fi- help people find other ways that maybe aren't always technical and engineering based? Yeah. So I think it's interesting. I I there's a in an effort for us to bring more people into the security field. There's a lot of people that say you don't need to know technology to work in security. And I'm going to reject that a little bit. Um the core of security is a technology focused thing. Now, do I think technology teams should report to the CIO? No, actually, I don't. I think security is a business problem with a technical solution. It's not a tech first issue. But I don't think you can work in the security profession without being comfortable with technology. So I think there's degrees of technology that need to be there. So if you're going to be doing um, GRC work, maybe you're doing security training and awareness, your core skill is about how to do training and awareness, not how to program a firewall. But it would be really good for you to understand how firewalls work so that you can get the right kind of training in kind of in front of the right kind of people. So I don't think you can completely disregard technology, but I think there are we, we need to have these different avenues. You can be a project manager of a security project and be just fine without having any security background at all. But you're going to be better if you've got the security experience. So I talk about how do you how do you bridge between being in a non-security role into a security role um, if that's what you want to do? There's multiple ways in there. But again, networking is one thing and understanding why you want to work in security at all. If you're in security for the money, then great. Then say that. And then I'm going to tell you, go to the place in security that pays the highest, whatever that is. That's your path, right? But if you're motivated by helping the community or stopping ransomware, or um, it's part of the ethics of being a digital citizen, then that's a different path again. So just sort of helping people decide, do they want to take a boat? Do they want to take a car? Do they want to fly? That's sort of the point of the book. Let's let's talk about once you're in, then then you can you can move, unlike other mm-hmm. specialized 
jobs that you mm-hmm. mentioned before. Mm-hmm. It gives you the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? I I feel more, you know, I feel like less technical now and more, uh, you know, tending to help people. Yeah. Or, you know, move into understanding social engineering or policy and mm-hmm. laws and whatever. So mm-hmm. is there a part where now you're in, how do you move from once? you know, lateral movement. And also because uh, just one note is I remember and everybody that start college, it's like it's this pressure of this is going to be me for the Forever. rest of my life. <laughs> and, and it kind of sucks because you, you may want to change, uh, you know, story at a certain point. And, and one thing about security, it seems to me it, it allows that. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of the reasons I like working in the security field. Not only is it something that you can do a lot of different kinds of security things, but you can do it anywhere in any vertical industry, right? You, it's, you're not locking yourself into healthcare by being a nurse. You're not locking yourself in to, you know, whatever. So you security is everywhere. So you might want, you might love doing vulnerability management and you may have been doing it for a certain company, maybe JP Morgan for a super long time. Maybe you're done with JP Morgan. Maybe you're done with finance and banking, but you can take that vulnerability and now take it over to a different industry and learn more because everybody does things differently. It, like vulnerability management over here is not the same as vulnerability management over there, even though we use the same language, right? So you can take the same job and take it into a different environment and learn something completely new. Or to your point, you can say, I'm done with vulnerability management, what's next? And so I do talk about, do you go deep where you are and how do you go deep? How do you get the skills to go deep? What does going deep look like? And then, okay, maybe you don't want to go deep. Maybe now you want to transition to something else. Well, how do you get there? Well, what's adjacent to where you already are? And are any of those adjacencies something that might look interesting to you? So you might go from vulnerability management to endpoint management, to authentication, to something else, right? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to change or maybe you go from a small company where you're doing lots of everything to a larger company where now you get to specialise because the company is big enough to allow specialisation. So there's, there's a number of ways of handling that. Yeah, and I do talk about it. Yeah. I'm wondering, Helen, and I, clearly we we need help in the industry. So mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting that people in this industry find a quick way out, <laughs> but I don't know, maybe, maybe somebody doesn't necessarily want to aspire to only be a CISO. Yeah. They right. Want, they want to run their own company Yeah, and do that securely. Yeah. Um, have you had any experience with others in the industry who've taken that role and moved moved up into a broader operational or executive level. Yeah, it's position. it's actually funny. So the very last chapter of the book is about being a, a leader of a security team and how do you know when you're done? And I do leave it open-ended about where you go next. I think if there's a second edition of this book, I will probably add that on because, to be honest, I, I wrote this book, I finished writing this book editing notwithstanding about six months ago and I've spent the last six months in this new role where I'm now on the vendor side of the house not the not the defender side of the house and this question's come up a lot like where do old CISOs go when they don't want to be a CISO anymore to 
you know, as an example. And some of them go to startups and some of them go as advisory CISOs to many companies all at the same time. And some of them write books and some of them teach. Um, I didn't go into that level of detail in this book. I left it open-ended. I did talk about how do you know when it's time to go? Because that actually is a difficult question to, uh, to answer. And a lot of people since I've left my CISO role have asked me that question. Um, but I actually think we're still, as a profession, we're still working that out. For, for most people, the CISO role is the most senior security role that they can think of. Um, and I don't think that's actually true. So I think there there are other opportunities, but we haven't mapped those things out. When you go and look at cybersecurity mind maps online, there isn't a mind map thread for what do you do after you've been a CISO. And so questions of do CISOs become CEOs? Do they become CIOs? Do they do something completely different? Do they start bringing in physical security as well as other kinds of adjacent things? All of those things, I think, would be a book unto themselves. <laughs> I haven't written it yet. <laughs> quite, quite possibly be. So let's, uh, as we as we get close to the end here, let, let's let's kind of end the conversation with, or drive it home anyway, with the, the third piece of being a leader, being mm. that CISO, mm. and drawing upon the, the elements within the book. Mm. Uh, is, how much is it about? being the CISO, how much is it about the program? How much is it about the team? It's about all of those things, but through the lens of know yourself, I think being a leader of a security program is about knowing why security is important to you and then being able to share that holistically with all the stakeholders in your organization, not just your immediate team, certainly your immediate team. But this is, I talk a lot about storytelling in this section of the book and building alliances with stakeholders. So understanding what's important to your CFO, understanding what's important to your board, um, being able to talk about uh, not just the metrics of whether you've got a good program and what the metrics show, but the story of why the program is working, what the business value is that the program is bringing to the organization, and what it means for you as an individual person and leader is really super important. If I haven't seen a, a security leader really be successful if all they do is worry about the technical controls. They've got to be able to place it in terms of the bigger picture of business outcomes or societal outcomes or those kinds of value propositions. And so I, I talk about that quite a bit. And I think this is necessary for us as an industry because until we've got leaders who can do that, we won't see security people in the C-suite or in the CEO roles. I don't think our our issues aren't that our security people aren't technical enough and it's not even that our security leaders aren't business savvy enough. I think they just don't communicate well enough. So I push on that pretty hard. You know, I, I'm thinking before the maps, we would used to stop using the metaphor of getting somewhere and ask direction. <laughs> yes. You know, and I remember that now I will feel like totally stupid doing that, but <laughs> you know, and, and then eventually you strike a conversation and then maybe somebody may say, Hey, why, why are you going there? Maybe you're a tourist. Like don't go see that. You're, you're yeah. just following, 
the sightseeing that everybody wants to see. But hey, there is a really cool place yeah. over there. So anyway, I love this idea about it's about networking. It's about conversation. And it sounds to me this is an inspirational book that it's really made for everyone from the person that wants to get in the industry and the person that wants to get out of the industry in the end. So yeah, um, I, I love that. And uh, Sean, I think everybody's going to get something out of it. Yeah, definitely. And you reminded me, Mark, of one time uh, I was driving uh, countryside in Ireland, got pointed the wrong direction. Somebody on the road said, are you lost? I said, yes. They said, well, come back to our place. We'll sit down, have a cup of tea and look at the map. And send you on your way. And sure enough, they, to your point, guided me to a place that was different. <laughs> I was going to go <laughs> and and probably would never have seen it otherwise. So I just uh, got a tea out of it. I did. And I got a tea, a cup <laughs> of tea out of it, which is really cool. So I think what I'm really drawing from you here, Helen, is uh, the, the networking piece and the mm. conversations. And I really want to point to all of the, the book. I'm sure is fantastic and I'm, I'm encouraging everybody to look at it, but I would also encourage everybody to connect with you on social media because you do a phenomenal job of that networking and it is so selfless. I mean, the, the questions and the comments that you pose and raise are for the community and that mm -hmm. that's very clear that you're bringing people together to share ideas and share experiences and I love it. I, I'm always thrilled to to see stuff come from you. So that networking piece comes through. And in there, if people pause as they're networking to look inward, as you say, to know thyself, hmm. uh, sounds like a good a good tip as well. So, Helen, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. And you know, before the the, the goodbye. Uh, the sad part is that the book is not out yet. So now we got <laughs> we got everybody excited, but you know we everybody can still go on the links they're gonna find on these uh, notes for the podcast yeah, and pre-order uh, pre and connect network because mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, that's as good as the book probably. But read the book. Don't. Don't take my word for that. <laughs> I would love people to do that. And I would love to get feedback on the on this because feedback is a gift. And uh, whether the, the feedback is good, bad, or otherwise, it's useful. So I, I'd, I'd love for folks either to give me personal feedback or, or put a comment on, the, on Amazon's website. Um, I think the other thing about this book is it – these questions are common questions. So it could be something that a group of folks, whether they're in an organization or in a community group or a, or a security organization, nonprofit, whatever, you can sit down and do a book study on if you're so inclined. Uh, and it would be interesting to see how everybody answers the same questions because I know because of that social media, asking questions on social media, you get 10 security people in a room, you're going to get 10 different answers. And, uh, and that's great. It's one of the things I love about the community, actually. So. Yep. And yeah, one more story as I say goodbye, because one another tradition Marco and I had in San Francisco was to go to one place in Sausalito for dinner every time, over and over and over. And we, we really enjoyed it. The last time, we, I think we said, Marco, we'll try something new next time. So yeah. ne next time didn't happen in our <laughs> same conference, so we'll have we'll have a whole another year, or another few months anyway to plan that next thing. But the point is, experience different things, interact with different folks, take different paths, but leverage each other and then network with each other. 
That's right. Yep. Fantastic. Let's do that. Let's do it. So thanks everybody for listening. Hopefully uh, you, you got some good questions here. I know I'm ready to, uh, to, to get a good read of this book. Links will be in the show notes for this and uh, links for all on social media so you can engage with her and uh, she can mentor at scale. Send her a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yes. well, thanks, a, a virtual coffee. Virtual coffee. Thanks so much for having me. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. HITRUST is a leading data protection standards development and certification organization that strives to safeguard sensitive information and manage information risk for global organizations across all industries and throughout the third-party supply chain. Learn more at HITRUSTALLIANCE.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPMagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.